Hello, my beautiful boons, and welcome to today's episode. This episode is an encore episode of one of the most popular episodes that I have ever done. It was one of the most shared episodes as well. It went off on social media, uh, and I think it's something that we can all in some way, shape, or form relate to, and that is about pain and discomfort. And I just thought it was a good episode to reshare because I have had a lot of questions and people on the Facebook group asking about specific questions that are answered in this episode. And given that I've got so many episodes now, it's getting more and more, which I'm very you know, grateful for, but more and more in my back catalogue, I think every once in a while it's good to resurface an episode that I think is relevant that answers a lot of my listeners' questions. So I'm not going to bang on about the intro anymore. I explained that within the episode. So let's get straight into it and I hope you enjoy. And if you're listening for the second time, I hope you get some new pieces of information that you didn't capture the first time. Love you so much. Enjoy. Welcome to today's episode. This episode is talking about pain and discomfort and how you can use that in your life. I'm talking about big pain like heartbreak and breakdowns of relationships and, you know, loss and, you know, big, big bad things that can happen in your life, pain, and also discomfort, like the things that you really avoid because they're not remotely enjoyable. So you end up avoiding them for years and years and years when you've been telling yourself that you want to do something. So I'm talking about both those things, how using that feeling and that experience of pain and discomfort, how you approach that and what you do with that can shape and will shape your life. Okay. All of us right now, Every single one of us, maybe with the exception of 0.001%, is going through something, whether it's big or small, whether you're going through something where you've noticed, oh, I just can never get out of bed at 6am, or whether you're going through this horrible pain of the breakdown of a family or a divorce or a terrible heartbreak, okay? We are all dealing with something. It could be a total failure in your career. It could be being fired. There's always something that we are tackling in our lives. And I want this episode to show you that that is not something to be avoided. And we are so primed to avoid pain and to avoid discomfort. And I'm going to explain to you why we do that and what that is all about. But we are so primed to avoid that we think because we're so used to avoiding it, oh, stay away from that. Oh, don't don't experience that, keep my walls up, protect myself from that. If I'm feeling it, quickly distract myself. We think that that's the way to go. And because we keep telling ourselves that, we avoid it even more. And when you avoid these feelings and when you avoid these emotions, you actually don't get to live the highs of your life because life is all about contrast. If you spend all day avoiding pain, your whole life avoiding pain, you would never live. The idea of this, this whole idea of living your best life. Yes, it is true. But a lot of people, I think, believe that this idea of, oh, live your best life means that you should be living your day, experiencing joy in every single second of the day. And given that, it means that you should avoid anything that's not going to equal joy. This idea that no discomfort needs to be felt tricks us into thinking that we're entitled to bypass the difficult parts of our life. So we avoid them. We don't crack them open. We don't deal with them. We don't face them head on because we think it's going to be so much worse or so much more unbearable than what it actually will be. But if you live trying to bypass these hard and, dis- and uncomfortable moments, you will never reach the highs in your life and you will never reach the growth that you could achieve 
by facing it. So that is what this whole episode is about. I want you to get to the point where you completely transform the way you look at discomfort and pain and you will have some huge transformative moments in your life and you will reach the biggest highs in your life if you can change how you deal with pain and discomfort. Okay, so that's what this podcast is going to be about. I don't have a brain fact for you guys. I was just like really in the zone while planning this episode. Um, I also really like it too because I'm going to link a lot of how we deal with pain and discomfort with attachment theory. It's very fucking interesting. A lot of kind of like brain psychology science behind this. So I just wanted to really dive straight into the episode. So let's do it. The first thing that I want you to think about is that pain does not destroy you. It forms you. And the way that you learn to deal with it will determine how it forms you. So you can be burnt by it or you can be fueled by it. And it, it takes a bit of learning. I feel like depending on how you were raised, but in general, most of us get burnt by our pain. You know, we're scarred from our pain. And that's pretty natural. That's a pretty common thing to do. But you can change that. No matter how you've been brought up, no matter what experiences you've gone through, no matter how you've reacted to pain in the past, you can change how you respond to it. Okay. I know, let's take a really common one, for example, heartbreak, this idea of being burnt and being burnt so badly that not only does it affect us and it affects our ability to be vulnerable again, and it affects our ability to be truly free and carefree and um, have this innocent love again, because we understand what pain of heartbreak feels like. So we never truly want to be that vulnerable again. So not only is all of that happening, but we're also stopping ourselves from truly growing and experiencing an even better love the next time. We get so burnt by this pain that we are the ones that end up suffering. And because of that suffering, because there's a difference between pain and suffering, pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. Because of the suffering, we end up damaging the future relationships that we have. We think we're protecting ourselves, but we are on this path of self-sabotage because we avoid dealing with pain. Okay, when you avoid dealing with pain, you suffer. And when you suffer, you choose to stay in that place. You're choosing not to face what you really should be facing. You think that facing it is going to be worse off than this conundrum that you've now kept yourself in of this avoidance and suffering. And then you end up sabotaging all these future um, opportunities for yourself in the, you know, in the rest of your life. So that's heartbreak, for example. Then, you know, you could be scarred for being, being shut down in your career or being shut down because of what people have said about your abilities in something or what you've said about your, to yourself about your own abilities. And then it can also go through a lot of people might have a certain idea of their body and their capabilities and they really want to change their body so they want to exercise and then they try it and it's the most uncomfortable, awful thing to go and exercise, especially the first few times because you might not be used to it. So then you associate that with pain. You associate that with extreme discomfort and so far out of your comfort zone that then you end up avoiding it. And then even worse for yourself, when you've embarked on this journey and you really want to make a change and you're trying to change your diet, you're trying to change your exercising, but it's so uncomfortable that then you stop. And then you call yourself a failure because you look back and think, well, I tried and I couldn't do it and I failed. Okay, so that's what we're going to be looking at. And you can change that. You can be someone that's tried 10 times to start a new diet and a new exercise plan and live a different life and quote unquote failed at it and you can change how you look at those things and turn it around and approach it completely different and get big successes moving forward okay very exciting 
Very exciting. I'm fucking excited. I'm fucking excited for you guys. I'm excited for myself. I'm already thinking about all these things that just by re-reminding myself of all these topics, I brainstormed this whole thing and I'm like, fuck. I mean, I apply that to a whole bunch of things in my life, but I can already start pinpointing a whole bunch of other things that I can be applying that to in my life. We're all here to grow, definitely myself included. And I feel that one of the best ways that I have grown is by teaching you guys. So thank you number one. But also I feel that if you feel that this is valuable, teach it to somebody and it's going to reinforce this information to yourself. Now, let's talk about, I'm going to kind of break down into a few points, why it is that we we are living the way we are living as far as avoidance of pain and discomfort and what we think that represents. The first thing is that, number one, is that you are conditioned to avoid pain. That's what we're conditioned to do, okay? You've taught yourself that. So in order to be fine or happy, you think that you've got to avoid pain at all costs. Now, this is what I want to get into. I want to talk about this whole attachment theory and how that plays into it because it's like a really good analogy, but it also explains to you why it is that we avoid pain the way we do. You've basically coached your brain to have an insecure attachment style to yourself, basically. And this is what I mean. Do you guys, It's kind of like helicopter parenting. Have you guys... I'll quickly break it down if you haven't heard of it before, but helicopter parenting is the kind of parenting where the parent is so worried and concerned and caring and they love their child. They do it out of love. It's, it's got no malice behind it, but it ends up creating a very insecure and attached child. For example, a helicopter parent uh, or if you, more technical terms, insecure attachment style will be so overbearing to their child and will instill so much unintentional fear in that child that that child then grows up fearful and anxious. For example, don't touch that. Oh, don't go there. Oh, don't do, uh, uh, I can't, you can't be out of my sight. You can't be out of my sight. Get closer. Okay. So they always, and then on top of that, on top of this fear of like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't think about doing that. Have you, uh, don't, don't, it's constant. So this child starts thinking everything's a threat and I have to avoid everything that's a potential threat, okay? And then on top of all of that, the parent is then overlooking everything that that child does. You know, if the child's trying to finish a sentence and they're learning how and they're developing their speech, a helicopter parent will be like, oh, I don't want to see my child uncomfortable, so they'll feed them all the words, okay? When what in reality they should do is just put that child in a, in a moment of discomfort where they're trying to find the word it's a little bit frustrating but then they're growing and learning quite quickly because then they find the word that they need and that was on them not on the parent okay the same goes for when they're trying to you know learn how to do a task a motor task or draw something you've got to give the child as much freedom as possible and only when the child turns to you and says can I can I like help me then you kind of step in and help, obviously within reason. But a lot of helicopter parents will try and do everything for that child because they don't want to see their child in pain or discomfort, okay? We learn that. And often we learn that it could be through how you were raised or just in general by, by understanding this idea of avoiding pain. And then we create that environment for ourselves where our brain has this attachment, this insecure attachment with ourselves. In, in other words, oh, don't do that. That's going to be scary. That's, that's fearful. Don't, uh, don't do that. Um, the moment you need help remembering something, you quickly Google it because God forbid that you're stuck there thinking, no, 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 I'm going to make my retrieval system remember this. I'm not going to Google it. Every time you feel discomfort or pain, you just stop. Oh, stop. Too much. It's too uncomfortable. I'm not going to go down that path. Oh, 
that represents potential pain or heartbreak, avoid, avoid, avoid. Quickly put your walls up. Don't do that. So then you end up sheltering, sheltering, sheltering like a parent would with a child purely because you're trying to protect, but you end up hurting yourself so much more. You end up instilling so much fear and avoidance behaviors in your life the way a helicopter parent would. It's not malicious. It's purely out of protective um, instincts, I guess. The opposite to that and something that you can create for yourself. You can turn your brain in from being a helicopter attached parent to you to being a secure attachment, for example. And, and go listen to my um, attachments um, theory episode. This will give you a way more insight into what I'm saying now. But secure attachment, in a nutshell, is basically where the parent gently observes the child and what they're doing and steps in only when necessary. Okay, so for example, they're going to observe their child, get creative and whatever. And if the child turns to the parent and says, look at what I've done, look at what I'm doing, then you're like, oh, and it's kind of, you're really reading the room with your child and you're engaging when the child wants you to engage, but you're kind of giving them creative freedom to do what they want to do. It's this sitting back and watching the child as, you know, letting them go further and further and letting them explore more and more independently and just being there. So the child knows when I turn around, I know my parents there, but they're not hovering over me creeping on top of me every step of the way they are just in the distance observing I know I'm safe I know I'm loved I know I'm protected but I'm also allowed to make mistakes and I learned that mistakes are inevitable to keep growing and going to the next step and the next step in my life you know you're teaching your child that it's fine to trip over and you don't make a scene you're like oh brush it off yeah well good or good you checked you're fine go it's not oh my god oh my god you fell over oh you should have never gone onto that fucking step that concrete step you should have never this you can see how it affects the child if the child trips over and one parent reacts by like oh all good all good you're good it's fine you know now you learn that step is a little bit whatever if the other parent's screaming causing a scandal that child is then going to absorb that that child is then going to be terrified to go down those stairs or terrified to go down any stairs for that matter and and is going to be looking to have their hand held through everything because they're seeing the fear, the terror in their parents' eyes whenever they do something minor. So they absorb that fear and terror versus if they look at another parent, you know, the the child's about to cry, about to cry and the parent brushes them up. Yeah, all good, all good. They're like, oh, wait a minute. My, my parents are fucking chilled right now. So obviously it's not really that big a deal. Yeah, it stings a bit, but I'll get over it. It's fine. So then that child learns like, yeah, mistakes happen, but I'm learning from that mistake and it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not a scandal. My, my primary caregivers are calm and chilled, okay? So that is what we absorb and that's how we, we then approach other things in our adult life. So for example, that kind of explains to you why how we perceive an event paints how we experience the event. It's not the event itself that paints our experience of it. It is our perception and our emotions around it because an emotion is a chemical reaction in your brain, okay? So you can have a really strong chemical reaction that can cause severe stress and anxiety or you can have a much milder reaction where you're like, oh, that's a shock, but I'm fine. I know I'm fine because I've learned that you know, pain is inevitable for growth. So I've I've made a stumble here, but it just means that I'm going to learn in the next thing, you know? So it's all about perception. It's not the stimulus itself because the stimulus itself can cause someone to grow and learn and take leaps and bounds and it can cause someone else to shut down completely. What happens when a child has a helicopter parent? What happens when you have a helicopter brain? You play it safe. 
You stay inside the lines. You avoid any hint of pain or discomfort because it represents something bad and something chaotic in your life, okay? You avoid thinking about your painful past and you're not going to do the work because those bad feelings must be avoided. That is your conclusion. That is your conclusion, okay? Another thing that I want you to think about is that we can't experience, you can't have light without dark, okay? You can't have achievement without sacrifice. You can't have gratitude without having experienced pain or loss or lack, okay? The understanding of contrast in life is crucial. You can't cruise through life having never experienced any pain or discomfort or, or whatever loss in your life. That's just not possible. It, it's part of life, and I feel like this is something to do with like the story of Buddha where he was a prince, I believe, and lived a whole life, very sheltered life where everything was perfectly fine and he never saw pain or whatever. And it wasn't until he stepped out into the world and saw destruction and pain and, and suffering where he actually became who he was, where he developed into who he was going to become. And it's all this idea of contrast and the, the, the need for contrast in our lives. And you need to relish that contrast. You don't appreciate a great, kind, loving partner without understanding the opposite or without having experienced the opposite. Without having failed at something, you don't understand how good it is to earn something or to, to pass or to, to, to get a distinction on something. You know, you don't, it doesn't feel as good if you haven't gone through nearly failing or failing something. Without working out and the discomfort of training every single day, you don't feel energized and alive and you don't understand the contrast of the difference between the two and you don't appreciate how good it feels to feel alive and energized every day if you don't know what it feels like on the other end of the scale. If you haven't experienced, you know, waking up super early and maximizing your day and having such a productive day and feeling great and feeling energized, then you're not going to understand what it feels like when you don't experience that. And you see the contrast. Contrast is everything. It teaches us. Knowing what we don't want helps steer us towards what we do want. It helps to sharpen our vision for our own future. And it is crucial to have it. Contrast is life. And contrast is necessary to live your life to the fullest. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the brain does what you teach it to do, okay? And the best teacher is your own actions. The best way to teach your brain is through your own actions. Actions speak volumes to your brain and your brain responds precisely and accordingly. You are a fine-tuned machine and your emotions and feelings are a chemical summation of your thoughts and behaviors and beliefs and nothing less, okay? So if you go on through life constantly avoiding discomfort or pain and not facing it and not doing anything about it and, and just, just trying to find you know, pleasantries in life and happiness in other areas before looking at your pain and seeing what you can learn from it, if you spend your whole life doing that, then the thought of pain or discomfort is going to cause you severe anxiety and severe um, stress as well. You have taught your brain that. And every time you have an opportunity to work through pain, what you do with that moment will continue to reinforce that teaching to your brain. Okay? Next time something painful happens to you, what you do in that moment, do you avoid? Do you sweep it under the rug? Do you try and, and um, pacify it with other behaviors and and you know, other things and experiences or do you turn inwards and deal with it? Whatever you choose to do in that moment is teaching your brain how to respond the next time you experience pain, the next time you experience adversity or discomfort. 
So now I want to tell you a little bit of a personal story for me where I saw a lot of change in the way that I dealt with my pain and especially my heartbreak and how it was so transformative in my life. So I've spoken about my personal stories a lot. I've spoken about my heartbreaks a lot. And I'd gone through one heartbreak, my first like real heartbreak, and that took me like over a year to get over. And I had some big experiences happen and I did some big bold moves in my life. And and doing these bold moves like moving to the other side of the world and with no one that I knew and no friends and had to start from scratch, that to me um, taught me a lot about my own self-confidence and what I could achieve. And and I got – I felt so good after that and, and it really was like my saviour. But then – good times. Then I went through yet another heartbreak and it was so painful because I thought that I had done all this work. Granted, my first heartbreak had definitely set me up um, to learn a lot of hard lessons um, to help me in this one. But I remember it was the second heartbreak I had. This was with someone like it was quite toxic. The way it broke down, I I not only was heartbroken, but I also felt very deceived and, and fooled and I felt like an idiot. And I was really at my rock bottom. I really think like this is probably like the lowest moment in my life. And I never really say that I had depression or whatever, but maybe I did. Maybe I did. It would have been acute depression because it was specific to that one thing, but I was fucking not okay. And I remember one day, and look, I remember this moment so clearly. I was sitting on my bed. This was in 2019. I was sitting on my bed crying my eyes out. I still had not decided if I was going to do my master's. I I was just come back from a trip and was trying to like save some money, didn't have a dollar to my name. I was working casual jobs here and there. I just was so heartbroken and could not get out of that. And I didn't really know what the fuck to do. I really felt fucking lost and I was trying to avoid, avoid, avoid. And I was just one day sitting on my bed, sobbing, 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 sobbing. And my bedroom, like right next to my bed, there was this big mirror, right? So I'm there sobbing like this sad, sad person. And then I glanced up and I saw myself crying. Like I was watching myself cry so much. And I looked like I was in so much pain. And I was able for the first time to watch myself. I was observing myself go through those feelings. And I felt like it was kind of an out-of-body experience, like this, the weirdest thing happened. I looked up, saw myself crying, and I was looking into my eyes as if I was looking into someone else's eyes. I was like looking, it was like, it almost felt like I was outside of my body looking at my body and it wasn't me. That's kind of what it felt like. And I felt so stripped back and I thought, this is my fucking rock bottom. Look at me. I'm a fucking mess. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm, I'm scattered. And the moment I noticed that and the moment I acknowledged that, I felt okay. I acknowledged in that moment that that was my rock bottom, that nothing was going to ever go back to how it was. And that moment until I was able to truly acknowledge that I was not okay, that I could just admit that things were not good, I could then start healing. I instantly felt relief. It was like a weight came came off me. I stopped avoiding the reality. I in that moment accepted that if anything was going to change for me, I had to fully accept what had happened and what was happening and that where I was right now, I could never go back to my old reality. Things would never go back to the way things were, ever. It was done. It was a fucking line in the sand. I spent weeks in denial 
thinking that the relationship would turn around and my behaviours were reflecting that. I was kind of waiting around and hoping this and, and living in a way hoping that I would get a text message from my ex and thinking this and thinking that. It was so, in hindsight, destructive because I wasn't helping myself heal and I wasn't dealing with what had gone down at all. I was fully in denial and I was keeping myself so busy, 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 busy that my body ultimately just decided to break down in this sobbing heap because it was like screaming to me saying like stop cunt and reset like calm the fuck down and stop and it wasn't until that moment where I'm like I need to just acknowledge what is happening I need to realize it's over I need to just let go and just feel this pain and it wasn't until I stopped putting off this pain which was inevitable and sat there and thought wow I literally am at a crossroad in my life right now. I am. I have the opportunity through this pain and through the acknowledgement that my life will never go back to how it was, which in hindsight, thank fuck for that. But at the time, that's what I wanted. I so badly wanted my life to go back to how it was. Lol, what a joke. The universe plays jokes on us all the time. But that's how I felt. But it wasn't until that was over and I had really drawn that line and said from this moment on, I have to deal with the pain at hand. I'm going to take time out and heal and learn about myself, learn about how I deal with suffering and learn about what this means to me. Until that happens, I'm not going to change. Things are not going to change and I'm not going to be happy again. So I took that moment and I paused. And for the first time, I was able to really admit that this was like a new beginning for me. It was a fresh start. And for the first time, I had this flicker, a flame of true optimism. It was exciting to know that this was a fresh start, despite the fact that I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life now? Because nothing's going to go back to how it was. I have no idea where I'm headed now. But that was exciting because I had all this untapped kind of chaotic potential now. It wasn't calming, for sure. It was not. But it was this excitement of like, okay, what does this mean now? It means that anything is possible for me. I'm suffering right now, but I'm acknowledging that it is done. And if I keep trying to be in denial and try and force the past and try and force things to happen again, then I'm going to suffer and suffering is a choice. When something is happening to you, you need to acknowledge what is reality and what can be changed about it. And that's when I acknowledge that a lot of my reality could not be changed of what had happened up until that point. But my future reality could be very influenced by my actions and very influenced by what I did. So it wasn't until I dealt with my pain and cracked it open and really felt it instead of avoiding it that I started to grow massively, massively. In that moment, I thought, okay, I'm going to change things around. I'm going to do things for myself. That's when I started. That's when I decided to do my master's. That's when I decided, like, so much changed for me. It was the best fucking thing that could have ever happened. My life transformed in a matter of months after that day. But it was because I was able to stop and be like, just feel the pain. Sometimes we spend so much time and effort avoiding reality and being in denial and hoping that things will be different to the way that they are. And because of that, we cannot evolve and we cannot grow. Ironically, when I accepted where I was and where I accepted that what I wanted wasn't going to happen, I became optimistic, as weird as that sounds. Guys, every single day, every fucking day of your life, you're going to be faced with some discomfort. Every day. Sometimes it's going to be pain and it's going to be fucked, like heartbreak or whatever. 
sometimes it's going to be discomfort. Like, oh my God, I fucking can't believe I set my alarm at 5am and now I'm trying to get up at this time and it's not going to happen. Okay. Discomfort is a gift. It is an opportunity. It is a shakeup. It's a slap in the face. It's a second chance. Every time you encounter pain or discomfort, it is a choice to retreat or to grow. Discomfort represents potential to grow. Okay. So retreat or grow. Ask yourself right now, am I going to retreat in this moment or am I going to grow? Am I going to face this head on and do something about it? Your alarm goes off at five o'clock in the morning. Ask yourself at five o'clock in the morning, am I going to retreat and ignore this and avoid the discomfort or am I going to grow, face the discomfort and get the fuck out of bed? What are you going to do? There are your two options. There's two, only two. Do something about it. Retreat or grow. And whatever you choose, fine. Do what you want, but at least admit it to yourself. And now because of this and because of how I interpret things and, and because I can see the contrast in my life, I can see how I've dealt with it in the past versus how I was able to deal with it later and I see how both ways affected me differently and how one was obviously infinitely better than how I used to do it. When I now see someone go through a heartbreak, well, someone that I know, someone that, you know, who I have a connection with, who I care about, when I'm seeing them go through a heartbreak, for me it's actually bittersweet, as evil as that sounds. Like I feel their pain And I don't like seeing people that I love suffer, obviously, but I actually deep down can't help but feel a little bit excited for them, for what's to come. Like I'm excited for their, like their rebirth, for their, this journey that they're going to embark on and what they're going to get out of that, what, how they're going to grow, what potential they now have for their future. And that potential and that crazy growth cannot happen without pain. So I look at that. And while I'm like, oh, you poor thing, I deep down am thinking, I would never want to take this away from you. I would never want you to not experience this as evil as that sounds because this is going to be the catalyst for you to turn into the person you want to turn into if you choose, if you choose. If you choose to face this pain and think, what have I learned here? What can I do differently? How will this make me grow? Because alternatively, you can look at that and be like, fuck this pain, fuck going through this, fuck ever opening myself up to anyone else again, and then you're just going to suffer, okay? But I look at when someone goes through some transformative event in their life, I think, fuck yes, you're about to, to transform into potentially something amazing. There's nothing more impressive than a person that's rebuilt themselves. There's nothing more enjoyable than knowing you rebuilt yourself. Nothing tastes better than that. I can tell you that for sure. I would never want to take away any pain or discomfort that I had felt. Fair enough, I've not gone through trauma and that's a whole different topic that we're talking about and I will do a podcast on that. I'm talking about, you know, stuff that we can deal with on everyday life. Let's remove trauma as one of the things. But even trauma, there have been some incredible transformation stories from people that have gone through trauma, but let's remove that. But I would never take away any pain that I've felt or people that I've seen around me that have gone through pain because of because of how they've rebuilt themselves since then. And you talk to anyone that's gone, gone through something intense in their lives and they wouldn't change it either. Absolutely not. Because they look at where they are and how they use that pain to grow because they faced it head on. And you look at how they rebuilt their lives and they're saying, I wouldn't change shit. I wouldn't change anything about this. Because if it weren't for the pain, I would have been living in this unaware state where I don't really experience these highs and lows. I'm just kind of cruising around. I've lived my life too safe that I don't, I don't get to feel these amazing highs now because I avoided risk and I avoided pain and I avoided discomfort so heavily. Life becomes really sweet when you understand contrast. You know what you want because you know what you don't want. 
and that helps to guide your life. You know what you will not put up with. So then you learn how to command. You appreciate what you have because you understand what it's like not to have it. If you can tap into your pain or discomfort every day as a tool to get you to where you want to go, it's also going to teach you and guide you into your future in the best way possible. Pain is your teacher, okay? And, and, and it's your opportunity to learn about yourself and ask yourself the hard questions and take time off. Time off from expecting yourself to be healed in an instant. If you can sit with it, you can learn from it and then you can grow from it and then you become stronger. And then you understand that you can get through pretty much anything. You'll be amazed, amazed at the resilience that exists already inside you. That's probably untapped. The next thing I want to talk about is what you should be asking yourself, okay? You want to be asking yourself, what am I afraid of and why? Or what am I avoiding and why? Because if you're not asking yourself these questions and if you're just kind of avoiding, 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 then you make the problem bigger and bigger and bigger when it doesn't have to be. What do people do when they have a phobia? They avoid something. They avoid it so much that this fear becomes bigger and bigger. They're running away. They're making this thing huge in their head that is really all in their mind. Their mind created that. The spider isn't getting more and more threatening. Your emotions surrounding the spider are. So what do people do when they want to overcome a phobia? What's the only way to overcome a phobia? They expose themselves to the stimulus. You expose yourself to looking at a spider. You look at a photo of a spider first. I'm talking about arachnophobia, lol, if you haven't picked up on that. You, took, you look at a photo of a spider first and you understand, okay, um, and you, you look at that photo until your heart rate calms down. And then your next memory of that phobia is like, oh, well, I was able to look at a photo, calm down. The thought of being next to a spider is kind of creepy, but I was able to look at a photo and that's an improvement, right? With exposure therapy, people face their fears and understand that they can overcome something. They understand that in order to overcome something, they don't have to love it, they just have to face it and know that they're going to be okay. People do this with trauma as well, with PTSD, exposure therapy, even for the most extreme things in your life. Obviously, if you've got PTSD and trauma, you want to do that in a you know, controlled setting with a professional, but that is how it's done. It is your emotions that are causing you so much pain, more so than the stimulus itself. And that can be applied to so many things every day in your life. My emotions around this topic, my emotions around this exercise or this behavior is what's causing me the pain. Not the behavior itself, not that actual thing. It's how I'm choosing to respond, how I'm feeling. And it doesn't feel like a choice because you've trained your brain and your brain fucking learns fast and very well and very quickly to our disadvantage sometimes, but it's not your brain's fault. We've just unintentionally trained it that way and you can retrain it the other way. The aversion to spiders is more painful than seeing that spider. Your aversion to pain of exercising is worse than actually exercising. When you avoid it, the fear becomes harder, worse and more irrational. The more you tell yourself that something is uncomfortable and you don't like it and you won't do it because you can't do it, you're telling yourself and you are confirming in your mind, in your soul, that that is you and you simply cannot do it. You're not capable. The simple act of showing up and challenging that belief just by showing up will start to change that chemical reaction, which is your thoughts, emotions, behaviors and the intensity of it. The simple act of walking into a gym and being like, okay, I'm here. I'm just going to fucking sit here. I'm going to walk for one kilometer on a fucking treadmill. That's all I'm going to do. 
but you start to release your aversion towards something that you deem to be so unpleasant. And you can do that with so many things in your life, so many things in your life. If you're going through heartbreak, sitting there and saying, it's over, it's done, it's finished. I'm sitting here for a few minutes and accepting that it is dead in the water. Instead of going around your whole day avoiding pain, avoiding pain and constantly checking your phone to see if you've been texted by this person. It's all how your brain responds to something. When people say, I'm not a morning person, I cannot, I physically cannot get out of bed early. Bullshit. If you have a flight booked to a tropical island and you've got to get up at 4 a.m., watch yourself leap out of bed ready to live that day. It's not about wanting to do it or not being able to do it. That's rubbish. It's because you have so heavily conditioned your mind to avoiding discomfort because you believe it. And you believe that every moment of that day has to be less uncomfortable. That's what you're chasing, less uncomfortable, okay? But if you have something great to live for, watch yourself bounce out of bed no matter what the time is. Your day can be like that and you don't have to fly to a tropical island for that. But you have to change how you approach discomfort. One to three minutes of discomfort will equal you feeling amazing in that day. And you can apply that to everything that you do in your life. But if you want to avoid discomfort, then that is your ticket to a bland as fuck life. And it's going to keep you believing that you should be scared of pain or scared of discomfort. Stop thinking that you have to love every moment of your life. You have to live every moment of your life. You don't have to love it. Because if you think that you have to love it, then you are going to behave in that way. And you are going to play it small. And you're going to avoid, 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 avoid. Because you don't want to make the mistake. Because you see it as falling backwards. Or you see it as like a loss. So then you don't do it. Because you think, oh, I've got to love every second of my life. Fuck off with that shit where you have to love every second of your life. No, you don't. But you do have to be there and show up and be present for every second of your life. If you want to love it. Okay, And by facing all these things and by experiencing it and by living in it is the only way that you're going to do that. This is where being more present in the moment is going to help you so much. And in my last episode, I spoke about something called like blocking and chunking when I was talking about doing like a, a, let's say, a fucking 10K run. And if I was to look at it, it's like I've got 10 kilometres to go. There I would be not living in the present moment. I'd be thinking 10Ks, oh, that's too much. And then I start blowing it up in my head and then I'm more likely to stop running. When I know I'm capable of running, it's just unpleasant. So instead what I do and what I do do is I chunk it up and I think, well, there's only, you know, seven small sections. It's fucking doable. Seven fucking sections. You know, I'm just running up to the fucking opera house and then there I'm running to this and then from there I'm running to this. And I'm making it more in that moment of like, how am I feeling right now? I've got this short distance to go. And then when that's done, 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 before you know it, you've actually done this huge insurmountable thing that you initially thought, oh, no, 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 I've got to take a rest. I can't do it. The same goes for when you're embarking on a degree. Don't look at the whole degree and don't talk about oh, how hard it is to get a degree done. Look at today's topic. Look at today's homework. That's it. That's it. You just have to take that one step in front. And that's how you get through living an amazing life, by being present for the steps that you're taking. That way fears don't seem so scary. Being vulnerable doesn't seem so scary. If you're always looking at like, oh my God, I've got to embark on this huge degree or I've got to embark on this, you know, 20 kilometer run or I've got to get over this fucked heartbreak or I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, then you're going to retreat. It's going to be too overwhelming. Stop allowing yourself to, put, to project things way too far into the future as far as how hard something's going to be. Bring it back into the moment, okay? And, get, and how can you break up what you're going through in the smallest chunk possible? And that's what you're going to do.
Now, I'm going to finish this episode by something that Jay Shetty said. I was watching a video from Jay Shetty on, look, I think it was YouTube, YouTube or Instagram. And he, because he used to be a monk and now he's got a really successful podcast and he's great. Anyway, he says that when he was in monk training, he learned that the mind is the child and intelligence is the parent. Okay. And what he means by that is when the mind is, you know, loose, not in a creative way, but just loose in general. We have tantrums, like a child, like you have tantrums, you demand more, you want what you feel like now and you don't want to wait. That's the child, okay? The intelligence is that parent or that coaching voice telling the mind what it should do and why and why it's going to serve them long-term, this idea of delaying reward, learning patience, practicing, understanding the importance of effort and hard work. That's intelligence, right? With the mind... The child chucks a tantrum when they don't get what they want. And we do that to ourselves daily. When you let your mind loose and when it's not disciplined, your mind is going to have a little tantrum several times during the day when you don't want to do something that doesn't give you pleasure right now. I don't want to get out of bed right now. I don't want to do the fucking laundry right now, so I won't. I don't want to get off my phone right now. I don't want to stop scrolling now, so I won't. Just like a child. Look at how a child behaves with a device. We do that. That's us. We fucking do that shit all the time. We just hide it better. But it's easy to judge children or their parents saying, oh, my God, out of control, out of control. Look at that child with that iPad. I would never. You can't – you do it yourself. You do it all the fucking time. You just hide it better. So we are a victim to this child loose mind constantly and discipline and intelligence is what curbs it. There's no point having all this fucking crazy potential if you can't steer it somewhere, okay? And that is the disciplined intelligence doing that. So you understand all these things. You know that you're capable. Are you physically capable of putting your shoes on and walking into a gym? Yes, you are. Are you physically capable of watching a lecture for two hours, even if you have to re-watch it later? Yes, you are. Are you physically capable of stepping out of your bed at five o'clock in the morning? Yes, but the reason it's not happening is because you are not yet disciplined. Operative word being yet, okay? You can, but you're not yet. Discipline your mind to understand that discomfort is your key. If you're feeling discomfort within reason, you're growing and you're doing something for you to feel more bliss than if you were to have avoided discomfort, okay? You can't have one without the other. So you've got to choose wisely. Are you going to avoid or are you going to throw yourself head first and reap the benefits? Are you going to be a child having a tantrum because you're not getting what you want when you want? Or are you going to be the intelligence and understand that this short-term discomfort will equal long-term gains? So from now on, as I wrap up this episode, I want you to see every single day as an opportunity to embrace these moments and live in these moments. We're not suffering We're experiencing pain when it needs to be experienced, okay? But live in that moment and gain from it in order to experience the good. Like I said earlier in the podcast, am I going to retreat or am I going to grow? Retreat, grow, retreat, grow. You've got that that choice constantly throughout your day and it starts when your alarm goes off in the morning. Only you can do this for yourself. Only you can be present in each moment and only you can understand the value of contrast within your day and only you can remind yourself of that every single day. 
All right, guys, hopefully this episode was helpful. Hopefully it sparked some inspiration in you. Hopefully it's made you think I can fucking do all this shit. And instead of avoiding all these moments of discomfort, I'm going to accept them as reality in my life and use them as fuel to live an amazing life. Okay, guys, I adore you. I love you. Literally, you guys are the real MVPs. I adore my beans, my global beans. Please share this around. I love it when you guys share and tag me in it and I see you guys going for walks and you tag me in it when you're listening to the podcast going for walks or driving or at the gym or whatever. I love that so much and it literally makes my day every time I see it. So I really appreciate all you guys, this beautiful community. Thank you so much. As always, remember, be kind to your brains, be kind to yourself. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.